Welcome to It's Your Community with Vanessa Denha, a public affairs presentation of News Talk 760 WJR. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to It's Your Community. I'm Vanessa Denha Garmo here with Epiphany Communications and Coaching. I'm really excited about this next conversation. Uh, Frank Beckman was one of my favorite people in broadcast journalism. I had uh, the great honor and pleasure of working with him for 10 years at WJR. I learned so much from him, extremely talented. And there is now the Frank Beckman Center for Journalism, keeping citizens informed with accurate news and analysis, which exposes government overreach and abuse. And informed people are essential to holding government officials and accountable and shaping sound public policy. I can't think of a better person to name the center after uh, than Frank Beckman himself. Uh, may he rest in peace. And I, I ask everybody to always continue to keep him in your prayers. Jarrett uh, Scorup, is it Jarrett Scorup, right, Jarrett? You got it. And yep. is the Senior Director of Marketing and Communications at the Mackinac Center for Public Policy. And he's joining us here in Itcher Community to talk with us about this Frank Beckman Center. Jarrett, thanks for joining us. Hey, no problem, Vanessa. So tell us how this came about. Uh, you know, what motivated uh, you guys to form the Frank Beckman Center for Journalism? Sure. So um, the Mackinac Centers were a free market uh, economic policy center in Michigan. And ever since Frank had uh, the talk show, when he came on, we, we were always able to have very regular guests on there. So we just formed a relationship on a lot of issues, which was more from a free market, limited government perspective. Um, we shared a point of view. And um, in 2009, we had started a news website. And so we were doing news coverage where we hired a couple of reporters that were at other publications and came in and kind of started covering issues from that perspective, limited government, free market, government transparency. And Frank would, uh, he was a regular reader of that, loved having us on. And so we were just able to kind of have this long-term more than a decade relationship where we were able to get our policy people, our economists and our news reporters on a show. Yeah. He's definitely, he was definitely stellar, one of the best in the business. And so what are you hoping to accomplish with the Frank Beckman Center for Journalism? So we, we started, uh, that news website, as I said, a little over a decade ago. And, um, you know, we've, we've always had primarily one reporter. Um, and sometimes we have contractors, we have another reporter. And so, um, about a year before he passed away, we had a couple of citizens that they were big fans of Frank and they knew he was retiring. Um, he had very recently announced his retirement and they said, we want to start something to, to honor the guy. And so we, so we came up with this idea of doing this Frank Beckman center for journalism, kind of, uh, an umbrella group over a lot of journalist activities, particularly the news website, uh, different podcasts that we were launching, um, our public records request, uh, we spend uh, tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars every year on um, trying to hold government accountable through public records requests and, the FOIA, and all, through FOIA, freedom the FOIA work. And ultimately, yeah. a lot of those result in lawsuits because we're trying to get the data. We have seven active lawsuits right now over trying to get government uh, documents out of government entities. So anyways, we went to Frank and we were, we got to, uh, luckily we pitched it to him when he was doing what he loved best, which was golf. Um, <laughs> so, um, he was in a much better mood cause he was playing me in golf. And, uh, so he loved the idea and he was all about it. Um, asked absolutely nothing in return said, you know, you know, I love you guys. 
let me know how I can help. And then, you know, at the time we didn't realize that, that he was sick. Um, but that was something that kind of developed towards the end of last year. So it was really unfortunate that we had to, you know, we have to do this launch, uh, after he's, he's passed away, but he was very involved knew it was coming. And we were able to, to talk with his wife, Karen about it. And luckily they were him and the family were totally on board. That's great. So did Frank have some input in, in this before he passed away? Um, well, we had, I had actually spent a lot of time kind of developing this plan and saying, well, you know, let's get a little bit of input from him. And honestly, he just loved every part of it. He, he said he knew what we did. He knew the news website. He was happy that we could expand it. He was happy any way we could use his name to help do so. And, and, you know, he started out in that, in that kind of news gathering, uh, side before going into the, the commentary stuff. So he really liked that idea. I didn't need to do, I had prepped way over prepped for that of selling him on this idea. <laughs> he just said, you know, anything you guys do, you know, you know, I'll love it. And you know, I've known him for more than a decade. He was one of the first times I was on the radio, uh, moving in the policy area, fresh out of college. He had me on, on a piece and, and I re-listened to that not too long ago. And it's about the worst piece of radio you've ever heard. Um, and he coached me, he pulled me through it and, and got me through a seven yeah. minute segment, which I've always appreciated. Well, Jerry, you're doing a great job now. I'll tell you that much. Someone's <laughs> been you. in the radio business for 25 years. Um, you know, and I loved working with Frank. I, I just, I learned so much. I love working with him. I loved listening to his show. What are you, what are you working on now through the center and through the work at Mackinac center for public policy? I know you have some lawsuit, you know, lawsuits and you're right. Uh, explain to our listeners of what you're researching when it comes to freedom of information act, why this is so important. Just kind of give them an overview of that. Sure. So the Mackinac center as a whole, like we have these economists and policy heads. We do education policy, uh, environmental work, fiscal policy, tax policy, um, those types of area. But we also have this legal firm attached to it. And the newer, the newest thing that we had was a news website. And so the news reporters are uh, the idea of what we've done and what we want to expand under the Frank Beckman Center for Journalism is we have these policy people that will find something in the state budget and they'll say, this is kind of interesting. And the news website, will we'll turn that new news story. So for example, when, when they pass a state budget and lawmakers do select uh, what, you know, people would call pork projects in their district where you'll have this nonprofit or even this for-profit corporation that gets select funds. We're the ones that are where we have the economists that find that we go out, the news website would go and say, all right, is this really worthwhile as an expenditure? They'll ask the people on both sides, how do you feel about it? But really kind of getting back to the basics of a lot of how news used to be, where you had beat beat reporters or and who do you have that actually goes through and finds and digs those things out? That's kind of the work that we want to do. Um, and that's kind of the bread and butter of what we do. Now, to get a lot of information nowadays um, as reporters, especially where you don't have sources in different departments, you got to use public records requests. So Michigan, like all 50 states has a law, people can request documents from their government. However, the government will often charge high prices for that. They'll, um, and, and you'll also end up having to file a lawsuit. So our FOIA work is we have this legal firm where we're filing those lawsuits. Um, we file them often on behalf of other people. And so one of the big projects we've been working on recently is very early in the pandemic, people might recall, 
the governor had a lot of executive orders that, that shut down a lot of different parts of the state, very controversial. From the very beginning, we, we asked a lot of questions about, well, how are we making these decisions? What kind of trade-offs are we measuring on what to shut down, what not to shut down? Um, I'm sure people remember that we had, you know, you couldn't go boating in Michigan at the time. You couldn't go golfing in Michigan at the time. We were curious about how that decision came to be made. Um, so, you know, we're talking almost two years ago now. We had to file a lawsuit that took a year and a half to finally get that information um, out of between the state and University of Michigan. So it was a year and a half later of legal work that we had to spend thousands and thousands of dollars on. Um, but we'd never have answers on that unless we went through that entire process. So, Jared, I was reading a tweet of yours the other day uh, about the free press with the governor's actual executive orders, uh, quoting there was uh, there never was a lockdown per se, but customer staff fears of catching COVID-19 and orders that require businesses to limit operations force many establishments to close. So, yeah. Tell businesses who lost their businesses that there was never really a lockdown. I mean, yeah. I work with a lot of people in the retail business and people in business, and uh, I can't tell you how many of them suffered and continue to suffer because they can't get people back to work. But can you speak? I, I read your tweet. Yeah. I had to laugh, and I've shared that we're probably 100 people so far um, right. because it just it's not true <laughs> there. I mean, yeah, are they yeah. playing semantics with the word lockdown? Is that what it is? I'm, you know. I think that's, yeah, that's the question. I actually, I actually thought like the overall Detroit free press article kind of where they're wrestling with back and forth. And, and their point is basically how much is the government governor going to be blamed in reelection over uh, whether she, what she shut down and what she didn't do and uh, how much of the, you know, so their basic question is how much of this is, uh, was it shut down, our economy shut down by the governor? And how much was it shut down by just the virus? Where, you know, a lot of early on, even before the governor had executive orders, people were starting to change their behavior because they were worried about, about the virus. I think it was a very much a semantics game. Certainly, uh, I think most of the people, if, if you could not, you know, I would have friends that would ask me, they knew I worked in public policy and would say, what am I legally allowed to go do? And the easiest thing early in the pandemic with the executive orders, I'd tell people is, are you going out to do something that you need to survive? If not, you're not allowed to do it. And that was really what the law was. Now, to me, that's a lockdown, but whatever. We can, we don't have yeah, to do it. I mean, we know, Jared, that, uh, you know, I, I represent clients in the retail business. And, you know, the last report I had last year was like a thousand restaurants in Michigan closed. Uh, because of the lockdowns. So, oh, yeah. I yeah. Mean, and, and people are still calling it lockdowns. I mean, I don't know what else you'd call it. Yeah. Uh, and the, <laughs> so I say to people like, I mean, churches you know, closed for months. Those were, sure. they, they, and in retrospect, you know, uh, I work a lot with the, with the, the diocese, the Catholic churches, and the Kelly diocese. And, and a lot of the priests will tell you, we'll never do that again. We'll never shut our, our, our church doors ever again. Um, so, well, and that and that story was a good. We 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 end up having an article on that. Um, and the the context we provided on that was on that question of well, how much, what percentage of businesses were shut down by government orders versus the virus? We actually have answers on that. Um, the federal government government does survey data on that. And so one of our policy people, that was the context provided to that story, where Michigan had the highest percentage of businesses that said they were shut down by government orders in the country. So we actually know the answer on that. Now, whether that was good or bad, people can decide that. I mean, yeah, we all know true. that there, there were certain things that had yeah. that were going to get restricted that got restricted in all 50 states, regardless of whether you're Republican, Democrat. Um, that's yeah. just 
how things work, but we also need to be honest about what happened and where people are, people are making up their minds now about how much of that was necessary versus how much was overblown. And, and there were, you know, we still have a very high death rate here, here in Michigan, and we have a very high rate of business closures and business never returned. And that's what people need to decide when they're going yeah. in and, and you know, that's a really good point, Jared. I mean, we have to be realistic too. I mean, that it, it there, this virus was very real and it was killing people. And so I know yeah. things needed to be done. The, my issue was that whole thing is the data that was supporting the decision-making that was never really shared. Absolutely. Uh, you know, that, that was my issue. And I, you know, I'm, I, I'm a trained journalist, so I'm a fact finding kind of person. And it kind of boggled my mind that there wasn't more, uh, demanding of the facts and the data by the general media on these decisions. You know, I'm not saying they didn't need to be done. I'm saying let's find the facts and the decisions. You guys were also yep. working on the nursing home issue too uh, yep. with the people. And that was another decision that was made that was proved to be very detrimental. Yeah. The, uh, if, if people uh, don't recall, so yeah, there was big controversy early on on what to do with people in nursing homes. We were very quickly realizing across the country Elderly are the ones most affected by this, but it was controversial yeah. over how to deal with that and whether to keep people in the homes they were in or move them to these regional hubs or put them in hospitals. Um, but from our standpoint, look, we're, we're not medical experts. We're not, we're not trying to sort that out. All we can do is talk to people. But yeah. one of the things that we found, again, through public records requests was we, we were working with Charlie LaDuff, who was a journalist in Detroit, um, was a longtime Detroit news reporter. And he had been getting hearing from people and getting tips from people that were saying, I don't, my, my father died and he's not showing up in the records of this nursing home death. And they're trying to find this data. And so he came to us and said, I don't know how to navigate this. He's trying to file his own public records. So we're filing our own public records request, trying to figure out how many people actually died in these nursing homes, these long-term care centers. How is the state tracking that? And again, it's another thing. It took a year investigation, it took a lawsuit um, where we're representing him. And we find out at the end of the day where this ended up in a legislative investigation and auditor general's report, the state was undercounting the number of people who were dying in nursing home or long-term care centers. Now they were doing that because they, for a while, they just decided they weren't going to ask that of, of long-term care centers that were below a certain size. That's, that's the highlight at the end of the day. But from our perspective, and I think for a lot of in the media where you were hearing these numbers that were a lot lower of the number of elderly that were dying than the reality, that would have probably changed the public policy in Michigan and how we tackle those issues. So again, another really important issue that we never have any idea on except for being able to put money into uh, doing these public records requests. We're talking with Jarrett today, Jarrett Skorup from uh, Senior Director of Marketing and Communications with the Michigan Center for Public Policy, starting this conversation out, talking about the Frank Beckman Center for Journalism <clears throat> that was established in, in the works before Frank passed away. And so, Jarrett, give us kind of a background here on Itcher Community for our listeners of what drew you to the work that you do. Give us some background on you and your work. And you mentioned fresh out of college, you did one of your first interviews with Frank Beckman, which mm -hmm. is a great way to start your uh your public career speaking to the media, but give us some of your background, what enticed you to do the work that you're doing today. Sure. So, well, my, uh, my parents are, were teachers. My dad worked construction and was also a, a teacher. So I think I was always kind of, uh, interested in, in education in certain policy areas. And if, if you're a teacher or if you work in construction, you know, public policy kind of affects a lot of that. Sure. So I had had always an interest in that. 
I went to, uh, I went to college more just an interest in politics. Um, and I worked in the political realm just as an intern in school. And I never, I never really liked the real direct political work. I, I liked kind of the, well, how do people arrive at their belief system? How do politicians arrive at it? How do we actually change these things to make them better? And so I kind of went into the, uh, the college I went to had a, a think tank, which I didn't know what that was. Probably most people listening don't know what that <laughs> was, but it was, it was college professors at the time who were writing studies about how to change government laws. And I was the lowest person, you know, I'm doing the rote, uh, just kind of research for them. Um, and I was very lucky. I worked for a guy uh, named Paul Kengor, who is a, he's a Reagan biographer. In fact, one of his books on Reagan is getting made into a movie with Dennis Quaid this year. Oh, really? Um, and so oh. I, I grew up not too far from where Ronald Reagan grew up. So he would have me, he said, all right, do some research, go out to where he grew up, look into some uh-huh. documents, do some stuff online. And I just really liked that. I mean, it was um, and Reagan was a president when I was born. So, um, I didn't know too much about him, but I got to learn a lot about him, but just going through documents and being able to lay out a case for what somebody thought or what people believe that kind of translated to public policy and current policy to me. Mm-hmm. And so that professor knew the president at the time of the Mackinac center, a guy named Larry Reed, he put me up for, uh, for a position they had. And I graduated back in 09, which was not a good time to try to find a job. Yeah. <laughs> luckily I was able yeah. to, and, and kind of work my way up here into the communication realm and trying to change public policy for, for the people of Michigan. You know, Jared, I was uh, the press secretary for Wayne County executive for seven years. And, you know, mm-hmm. I had my own personal policy, whether anybody agreed with me or not, that I would uh, want uh, media people to never have to FOIA us. You know, if they call me for information, just give it to them. It, we, right. we were public servants. This was taxpayer dollars. And that was my belief system. In fact, what what prompted me to leave is when, you know, uh, I'm not going to get into that story, but what, what prompted me generally to leave is when I was getting pushback not to give reporters information and uh, make them FOIA. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing this anymore. Um, and then, you know, you know, it was an FBI investigation I left before them, but so I, I, I'm under the the I'm under the belief system that you know reporters shouldn't have to go through FOIA. No one should. You know, if they call for information from the government, everybody has the right to have that information. <laughs> yeah, and really, if you look at the way the FOIA law is written in Michigan, that's how it's assumed to be. It's assumed to be that the government will just give information to people. Yeah. Rather, whether reporters or anyone who's asking, and it's really there as a last resort, as in. Your their person is asking for so much information that the government can't do it, except that they have to devote a ton of time to doing it, in which case it sets up this process where they need to charge uh, in order to cover the costs. That's totally understandable. But most of these requests, I mean, you're talking about things I've, I get re- where I ask for a contract. What's the contract with your union or with your yeah, trash collector? That should be easily accessible. Oh, yeah. And they'll yeah. go through, they'll take the full extension, which is two weeks um, at the end of the day, and they'll charge you to try and get it. And yeah. that's really not what it was set up to be. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jared, what are you hoping um, will, how the Frank Beckman Center for Journalism will evolve? What are you hoping yeah. in the next year, two years? Like, what, you know, what can you share with our listeners? Yeah, so the the center, the the people who approached us to start this, they put up a matching amount of money, um, and so we are trying to one raise raise that money, um, which is ultimately a three million dollar match, and then as we do that, we're using that money 
uh, to enhance the journalism abilities that we have. So the, the things we've already started off, I already talked about the news website. We have a radio show, WJR. So we have a new radio show that we're, we're talking politics and public policy, Mackinac, Michigan show. Um, we've started more video and podcast production. Um, and then we also are running a summer program for what we're calling the next generation of free market journalists. So we'll have an internship that goes through the Mackinac Center. Um, we've reached out to... Uh, different journalism students, and we've posted for people that are interested on our website. Hillsdale College runs a journalism program now, so we've we've had a relationship with them about working some of their students in it, and then um, just generally enhanced uh, trying to get a lot of this work more. If it, if it's something, a lot of it is very Michigan specific, but some of it has a national reach, and doing the best job we can to get that out to other media outlets or partnering with journalists who need help with lawyers or covering their costs on trying to get information or even just regular citizens. Um, so we've launched all that um, at the beginning of this year. And so far it's going, going really well. I've got to uh, meet a lot of people that are really interested in that, that line of work and a lot of them through connections to, to Frank. So, you know, for people listening who do have connections to Frank and, are, and do um, appreciate the work that you're doing, how can they get involved? If you go to the Frank Beckman Center for Journalism.com or just Google Frank Beckman Center for Journalism, you'll find it. Um, that gives a summary of everything that we're doing. You can talk, you can find out there one connections. If you, if you say, Hey, I'm interested um, in doing the journalism or I know my, my grandson is in school. He wants to be a journalist. He wants to apply. They can find out about that there. You can find out about the the matching gift. And then that'll just have a summary of all the work that we're doing and the stories that we're, we're pursuing. And of course, if you don't know a lot about Frank, that's a good place to go and brush up on his biography. The greatest thing of all this for me was I got to really get to know Frank um, towards kind of the end of his life and really learned a lot about him that I had, that I had not known. Yeah. You have, you have a great picture of him too. I love the picture you guys have on the website of Frank uh, with the <laughs> microphone uh, and I at, at a game uh, where he, where he loved to be the announcer. That was awesome. So, um, uh, Jared, in terms of, uh, um, people getting involved, I mean, I, I know they can donate, but, um, tell, well, actually I'm going to go back. Tell us about the radio show on WJR. So myself and a guy named Kelly Cobb, we are doing a monthly show. So we're, we're a couple months into that, um, where we have a lot of the current newsmakers, um, and we have people running for elected office. We have state politicians, what's going on at the state level. Um, and then we have journalists on to talk about the work that they're doing. Um, so it's just a state focused show on the most important, a little bit more in depth. We don't want to do just, uh, what's the hot political issue of the day, but a little bit more of a policy background to it. Um, the first month we spent a lot of time talking about some of the school districts that were still shut down because of COVID here in Michigan and yeah. why they were still shut down, how much money they were getting per student to help deal with this issue, uh, where that money was going. And, and so it's a little bit more in-depth work, uh, look at some of these, uh, current policy issues. When, when is it airing? When is the show on? When can we listen to it? It's Tuesdays at seven o'clock from seven to eight at night. WJR. Yep, 760, our station right here. Uh, so as you guys know, this It's Your Community airs on the three station affiliates, WJR 96.3, 93.1. So I spent 10 years of my career, almost 10 years of my career, WJR as a street reporter. So 
I'm sure it's a, a wonderful show. I want people to tune in because I think that awareness, you, you make a really good point, the think tank. We've lost critical thinking in this world, Jared. And I think, um, you know, sharing this information and helping people be aware of these policies and how it affects their lives is so important. We can't just, you know, we, we're so divisive in this country today. And we need more people to, to kind of do research and seek the truth, even if uh, journalists out there are not doing that it, it, because it seems so agenda driven today, too. Um, yeah. It's not the journalism that I grew up in. It's not the journalism that I was raised in, so to speak, as a as a reporter. Uh, I got my degree from Wayne State. It, it's such a different journal uh organization industry today than it was when I first started out and what I lived in for 10 years as a full-time broadcast journalist. So, and a pretty yeah, cool. So I think one of the things is a lot, a lot of people, they get their media kind of siloed and um, they're getting things where that are only really speaking to them. And one thing I thought that Frank was always admirable. He was obviously a, a more of a conservative guy, um, kind of a skeptic of, of the government in different ways, but he was, uh, he suffered no fools on either side, Republican or Democrat. And really he had a big enough voice that pretty much anyone had to go on his show. Um, I'm sure your boss, when you were in Wayne County, they would go on the show. Um, oh, governors, yeah. Oh, yeah. De Democrat or Republican, they you were on his you didn't show. Turn, you didn't turn down a Frank Beckman interview. I mean, you actually Absolutely. sought out a Frank Beckman interview, you know, and, and you're right about that. You're what made Frank so great. Frank, was a journalist. I mean, he was a reporter. He's an award-winning reporter, one of the best in the business. And he knew how to ask questions. He was fabulous at what he did. And he researched, he knew what he was talking about. He did his homework and he did it well. And so you're right. You know, no matter what side of you are on the political aisle, you wanted to bring on the Frank Beckman show. Right. Yep. And that, and we, that. and our work is trying to do that where People are going to have their political beliefs, but we're going to give you a little bit more backing, provide a little bit more data than than I hope people are getting now. And and that's kind of the goal of the center. Yeah. Jared, before we let you go here on It's Your Community, what else do you want to share with our listeners? Well, we've talked about uh, how the, the Frank Beckham Center, and you can learn more about what that and what the Mackinac Center is, is doing in general. Um, I would just say, and also, you know, as I said, we have the news website, we have the legal side. We open this up to the public. This is supposed to be a public resource for people, as in if you have tips or things you think the media is not covering well and you want to send them to us, um, we have spaces where you can go there and submit tips to us. We also have um, provided legal help for regular citizens. So if you have uh, typically a government obstacle, either trying to get information or data from the government or uh, we've helped people who are dealing with uh, where they're, they've been trying to opt out of their union or they've been trying to uh, go through the state licensing process or they've been trying to figure out, get data from their university system. Anything really where it's a government involvement, we've, we're able to provide legal help for people or at least get you an answer. And one of the things that we always have is we try to be a public resource for people. Uh, we provide all this work pro bono. Uh, we don't do it as a cost to you. And any request, any rational request that we get from people, we get you an answer. It's not always that we can help you, but we're going to get you an answer to, to try to at least point you in the right direction if we're not able to help you. But we've helped hundreds and hundreds of people um, in the last couple of years here. And that's a great part of my job. I can, I can get emails from people. I'm able to know where to get information for the most part and help people out. So that is also the other part of the research for just regular citizens at the end of the day. 
Jarek Squirp, thank you so much, Senior Director of Marketing and Communications for the Mackinac Center for Public Policy. Thanks for being with us here on Intra Community. Thank you, Vanessa. Thanks. Any questions or comments or topics you want me to cover, uh, go to get to me. Go to Epiphany Communications and Coaching. You can email me there or go to any of my social media platforms and private message me there. There's an Epiphany Communications and Coaching page on Facebook. You can also find me on Twitter, Instagram, and on LinkedIn. As always, remind our listeners to connect, communicate, and to collaborate with your community. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. It's your community. A public affairs presentation of News Talk 760 WJR.